And these were all tools that we had built that were maybe utilized, I would say, you know, 10 to 15% of our clients were going the digital route. And now I think 99% of new clients that we bring on are all in the entire digitization of the contract process and everything that we do. Hello, and welcome to Sink or Swim, a weekly podcast brought to you by RentSync, where we take a deep dive into the prop tech, multifamily, and rental housing industry. In each episode, we uncover the technologies and strategies used to help overcome operational challenges and increase the value of your multifamily investments. So let's get into our conversation today. Welcome back to Sink or Swim. I'm your host, Nicolina Savelli. And on this podcast, I chat with multifamily and prop tech experts to learn how you can reach more renters, sign more leases, and maximize the value of your assets. And today, I have Simeon Garrett, the CEO and co-founder of Spark Real Estate Software, a real estate software firm based in Vancouver that is helping developers sell and market their homes. Thank you so much for joining me, Simeon. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you here to chat about your vision behind Spark and what this technology is doing for real estate developers, project brokerages, marketers, and sales teams. But I must say, there's always a story behind the product and the technology, and your upbringing is pretty compelling. And that's kind of how I connected with your team, which was you know, they told me your background and I was like, I got to get this guy on the podcast um, to kind of talk about that first. So, you know, my understanding is that you grew up in China and Malaysia where your parents were doing Christian aid work and they were detained and imprisoned in China in 2014 after being accused of spying. And then they were eventually released. So I truly, I mean, Great to have you here, but I truly can't imagine what that must have felt like for you to experience. And can we just start there? What do you remember about that time in your life? And maybe you can explain how that experience, if it has molded you into who you are today and as the CEO of Spark. Yeah, I mean, there's a obviously a, a long story there. <laughs> sure, you know, having having grown up and having grown up in China, you know, spending the majority of my childhood and even work after university back in China. Right. You know, you, you get to understand the country. And so when these things happen, it is a shock, but it's also one of those things like, yeah, okay, it kind of makes sense because <laughs> okay. you've seen it yeah. happen over the years. And, you know, as, as, as horrible as it is, you know, it does happen in places like that. Wow. But, you know, it just, it coincided in a, in a very funny year because 2014 was right around the time when I actually started Spark. So it was almost at the very beginning of the inception of Spark. Oh, wow. Okay. Building, you know, so building the the ground or the infrastructure originally of Spark at the same time that my parents were, you know, coincidentally in jail in China. So it was a, it was a pretty tumultuous that was stressful, time I'm for sure. sure. <laughs> it was like having two jobs at the very, very beginning. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, that definitely helped me with the stress management levels, you know, once that kind of cleared up 2016, 2017, you know, now basically nothing stresses me out. Right. So it's, how can, <laughs> how can it's you like, well, be stressed? You're be like, now. you know what? It's yeah. not as bad as it could be. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So just a quick question, and this doesn't relate to anything to do with the industry or anything, but they were released. Did you play a big part in getting them like released or working with Canadian I, kind of? I did. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was, you know, on phone calls with the head of foreign affairs in Canada once a week for almost two years. I did multiple trips to China to visit with lawyers. It was a consistent, you know, there was a lot of money that had to be raised to pay for the legal fees and all of the processing that has to happen. You know, unfortunately, being in jail in China is not free. You had to actually pay for it. 
Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So you get, you basically get a bill that allows, you know, them, them to eat and, and drink and brush their teeth and things like that. So it was, it was, it was pretty that, interesting. That seems sure. like it's like a motivation to put people in jail. I mean, people, I don't. If they're getting paid uh, yeah. by uh, by the people who are in jail. I mean, you don't have don't to know. pay, but then it's basically like being in a, in a internment camp. So it's a little uh, yeah, not okay. quite as exciting. All right. Okay. Well, good to know. Definitely. Yeah, definitely a stressful time. And and I'm sure that it had you very focused and made you a very focused individual. So moving on to what Spark Technology does. (laughs) (laughs) Quick pivot there. Can you expand a little bit on how exactly the platform helps real estate developers, brokerages, marketers, and sales teams? And then we can kind of dive into the specifics. Yeah. So so we essentially, I mean, my background was working in the sales and marketing of new development projects in the residential space, primarily between North America and Asia. So I did that for a number of years. And what Spark does is essentially power the sales, marketing, and digital transaction process for new development residential towers or projects. So we are the backend infrastructure that the sales team, the marketing team, the administration team uses to manage everything from their CRM, their inventory, their floor plans, the allocations, the digital contracts that they write, the commissions, deposits, and then things like the reporting on the back end, all wrapped under one umbrella that talks to each other that allows for transparency in the organization. Right. And so we work directly with developers and or the project marketing firms that are selling and marketing those projects. Right. Now, this isn't on my list of questions, but it does bring up the question because you mentioned that you did it predominantly in Asia. Did you originally launch this thinking that it was going to be a North American product or kind of an international product? Is there a difference between those kind of processes that you've noticed? Yeah. So the mindset from the very beginning, which I think was a big differentiator between us and other platforms that existed, was we wanted to build a software that worked across the board, whether it was in you know, Qatar or New Zealand or Miami or Seattle, it didn't matter. We wanted to build a base infrastructure that basically spoke the language of new development sales and marketing. And, you know, most of the regions in the world that do, you know, pre-sales, it's a very similar process. Yes, there's different terminology, but the base level stuff is quite similar. So we originally had a goal you know, to be as broad as possible. And, you know, now that has led us into working in, you know, in just over 80 cities currently with more being added all the time. Right. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So, I mean, you kind of answered this question, but you're focusing on new developments. The reason being you're obviously familiar with new developments. So that was something that you felt passionate about and, and knew a lot about. Would you ever expand the platform to go beyond new developments? Or is that really what the niche you really want to focus on? And you think that that's a really strong offering to have that kind of focus? So new developments has always been the spearhead in the market. And I think it was the least... I guess touched part of the new de- of, totally. of the development space. You know, you you look at the the resale side, real estate agents, commercial, a lot of these other platforms. There has been a lot of tech focus, whereas yes. in the new development side, it's traditionally been very very old school. And so Absolutely. that was where I saw the biggest opportunity. We already do play in the lease up and rental side a little bit. We do play in the commercial side when it's in the podium of a building. We do have things like you know digital ID scanning and verification that has applications outside of just the new development world. And a lot of the projects that are on the platform may already be built. So it's really if the developer is owning and operating a project, there is applications across the board. Got it. We also manage all of the broker and agent relationships between the developer and 
those groups. So that can live outside of the actual new development space. But you know, our, our primary focus is still always going to be surrounding the new development or at least the developers themselves. Makes sense. Yeah. I think that 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 you hit the nail on the head when you said that seems to be a part of the process that has been the least like attended to. I, I know that I've had a lot of people on this podcast and no one really specializes or caters to that part of the process. It's kind of, yeah. you know, you know, the whole way through, but that part kind of gets in a lot of cases like just overlooked or last minute or, you know, it just isn't the amount of time and attention to it just kind of wasn't wasn't there. So to have that kind of attention on those parts, which is very important for the longevity and the success of something that you've spent so much money and time and resources on, um, to have that like platform there to help is super important. Now we try to focus on marketing on this podcast, obviously. So I'd love to hear more about how this solution specifically helps marketing teams to be more successful with their new development sure. projects. Could you share? Yeah, so that? so there's a there's a couple different ways where where Spark actually will empower and accelerate the marketing processes inside of a developer. And in these in these processes, again, marketing new developments is a very very broad term. There's a lot of things that live underneath that. You know, it, everything from billboards to you know, realtor showcases to pamphlets that go out to email blasts. But where we really specialize is on anything that touches the digital world. So we integrate into all of the social channels, all of the paid advertising channels. So we create dedicated links, landing pages, and lead capture forms that will live behind all of those channels that track the ROI, the spending of each of those channels, where the leads come from, and then tracking those leads all the way through to a purchase or a fall off, being able to provide good insights for a developer to where their money's working, where their money's not working. We also have a platform inside Spark called Carpenter, which allows you to build, manage, and, and send out mass email marketing templates, okay. yeah. similar to something like MailChimp, mm-hmm. but being able mm-hmm. to tie that into actual inventory, floor plans, buyer information. So tying all of the, the things from the early lead stages all the way back into the purchasers and the closing And then we also have things like our drip campaigns and our automated sequencing for leads that sign up. So managing those communication flows and the processes that live behind the scenes for the sales teams, Mm -hmm. you know, the reminders, and then everything from hosting all the assets for, you know, marketing brochures, et cetera. And then on the flip side, we would also integrate directly into the point of sales systems that these developers are using in their sales centers or on their websites, digitally powering the inventory, the pricing, or the actual touchscreens, interactive displays that the marketing teams are designing and building for the actual buyers. So there's a lot of different pieces where we play, but we really live behind the scenes, kind of powering the information, not right. actually doing the marketing per se. Absolutely. So you made me think, because RenSync, actually, the company that runs this podcast, and yeah. <laughs> we have our marketing agency. And this sounds like a beautiful marriage actually between what we do on the agency side and what you are doing from like the technology side of things. Are you integrating with any other platforms right now? Like do you integrate with, you know, if there's a any other platforms that you've worked with like even property management platforms, are you currently integrating with those? Yeah, we have I mean we have a huge amount of integrations. Some of those are run like directly through our API. A lot of those are run through Zapier. Okay. So we have we have essentially a semi-open API where people can actually push and pull data from our system. So a lot of times we don't even know all the platforms that Spark is integrated into because a developer okay. can take that and do it themselves. Right. But there is, you know, we integrate into accounting platforms, we integrate into larger ERP backend systems, we integrate into 
other marketing automation systems in some cases. There's a huge, there's a huge, you know, number of groups that we do integrate into and our integration policy is very, very open and we like to be able to work with as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. And then even if, you know, on a, on a lighter level of integration, we would also work with agencies very heavily. We actually have an agency login. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> that allows the agency to go in and, and create the creative, implement the templates, create the sequencing, and then basically give access to the sales team. So you don't have to have them sending it and have a third party, you know, it's a much more direct access point for that. So we actually have a, cool. a login credential that's just for agencies to go into Spark and build collateral for the clients. I'm going to have to talk to our client services uh, (laughs) VP because I think that this is something that could actually help them quite a bit with managing a lot of those processes and things. Now, is there, and I didn't put this and I know I'm kind of catching off guard, but is there a client or a case study or anything that you feel that has really taken advantage of your product and what you offer and kind of any metrics or outcomes that you can share from that experience they had working with you? Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss an episode by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Now let's get back to the show. Yeah, we actually so we actually just released a new case study yesterday, which is all about perfect. It's called Knowledge is Power through a company called Marlin Spring out of Toronto. And they basically go through how they use Spark to really generate reports that allow them to extract real data out of the system to make decisions on all the next projects that they're going to build, you know, the buyer, the demographics, the geographic information, the pricing matrices, all that stuff and how they use Spark to kind of be the backbone of that. We had another, the other case study that we just released actually was with a brokerage out of Austin and it's called, you know, how Austin-based brokerage used Spark to sell more than five projects or sell out five projects. Mm-hmm. And so we're starting to do, and we do we do pretty in-depth case studies with these clients. We sit down, we really go through the process. And I think we try to make it as informational and educational as possible, not just a light, yeah. fluffy case yeah. study that says, hey, look at look at how good we were. Yeah. You know, we want to give information to the industry about these processes because I think that's how everybody gets better. Totally. Is by, you know, creating less friction and opening up some of these things that maybe are questions for other people in other markets. But those two specifically, I think, are, are phenomenal examples of case studies that really kind of dive into the power of what Spark does and how it actually has had direct impacts on two different types of clients. Nice. Yeah, awesome. I'll have to include those links to those case studies in the show notes. Sure. So everyone can check those out. So where do you see, as you mentioned, growth education is very important to the industry to keep evolving and innovating. Where do you see Spark in the next two to three years in terms of kind of business expansion and growth? Are there any developers you feel are doing some innovative things right now that you'd like to see using Spark? Like, what what are your I mean, thoughts always. on that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for us, it's really just about you know, the expansion across all major markets. So we've already had a a big focus. I mean, we work in most major cities, but where it really becomes powerful is once we hit a certain threshold of ownership of that market, because it really allows us to actually add a lot more value back to our clients because of the amount of data and information that we can share. Sure. So I think the, the next two to three years is really deepening those relationships. So one is, you know, the expansion of just territory. And the other side is expanding the product into, you know, more and more services underneath what a developer does. So taking on more of the transaction pieces, diving into larger scale data amalgamation, parsing, and then turning that into information that we can give back to clients and really just deepening the product relationship, you know, with Spark. We've been growing at about 100% a year for the last couple of years. Wow. So I'm assuming, you know, on our track is to keep doing that for the next couple of years. So really, you know, we're going to be expanding the team 
significantly really getting into the customer service and the you know the curation of how we onboard how we treat clients it's also a very you know interesting part where you know the software company that also in being in the real estate world you also have to have that very relational aspect to it it's not just like a totally buy your netflix account you know because this industry is extremely relationship based and so it we really have to treat is. that the same yeah. way it's very customized. I find every single client has a different thing, a different set of needs, requires a different, you know, personalization and and really like you said that that one-on-one communication with the client is important to maintaining that like long-term relationship with them and following through their whole journey. Now, I missed this and I want to go back to it because you mentioned something about about growing the technology. I understand you did a series of funding for Spark. Can you yeah. share maybe some of the positive and maybe the negative feedback you got during that process and how that's kind of shaped the vision so far? You mean from the investor side or yeah, from, from the, the investor side, side of things? Yeah, the investor side. So when you did your funding for, yeah. you did a round of funding for the actual technology, what was yeah. the kind of the positives and some of the negatives? Because I feel like it's a great, like it looks great. It feels great. It looks like a really well thought out and well marketed product. And I'm just curious what you kind of learned through that kind of round of funding. Yeah, I think, you know, the pro and the con out of that is almost actually the same thing, which is that. Mm-hmm. It's very hard for outside people to understand this specific market. Right. 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 And the pro is that they don't understand it, which means there could be a huge <laughs> greenfield opportunity. But the con is that they don't understand it. So it's a lot harder for them to get to that position. Absolutely. So I think that you know, it's, it's probably that's, I'm sure there's some other ones, but that's probably the biggest thing was just the education around what we actually do, what it means to get on a client, what a client actually means, how we price. You know, it's not a typical. SaaS company in the way that you're just able to turn it on, turn it off, give us a credit card. Totally. Half of these are numbered companies. Half of these are paid through different entities. Half of these are pushed six months before they're supposed to launch. You know, there's a very one-to-one relationship here. That's we're really almost half of a real estate company as well as being a technology company. Mm-hmm. So I think the biggest learning is just how do we educate? And that's actually, that kind of segues into the same way when we're trying to target clients or how do we, you know, digital marketing, how do we target potential clients that aren't necessarily looking for a software platform? You know, we get a lot of real estate agents that sign up that think it's for them. So how do we get out of that and and be able to market (laughs) the product to a way that no, this is not for agents. This is for, you know, developers and project marketing firms, but the terminology in different regions is very different. So how do you take all of that and boil it down into a single thing that is a message that people are going to understand? Right. Which is probably just your SEO and Google ranking helping you to target like real estate agents are just seeing it come up on their Google (laughs) Google searches and then they're signing up for it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it's a growing profession. Like I've been, you know, in the multifamily industry and the kind of this space for about two and a half, almost three years now, not very long. And I will say, I mean, I knew all about rental properties. I knew that, you know, I knew about new builds and I knew those things, but I didn't understand like who was part of that process and who, who got those off the ground and like that they had dedicated marketing teams and all of that within the, the whole, you know, I just pictured guys with hard hats. Right. Yeah. So like learning all of that and understanding all of the processes and all the things that come together, it is something that not that many people, unless you're living and breathing it really understand or know. And yeah, from the investor side, obviously, if investors don't understand what the industry does or what the processes are, it can be hard for them to throw money at you. But 
that also, you know, it goes to show that you were able to kind of sell through regardless, given your experience and your knowledge in the industry. So in your experience developing solutions for the real estate industry, how have you seen things progress in the last, I said five years, but I want to say like in the last two years since maybe the start of COVID? And how do you see the industry evolving? Would you kind of answer that? But I think I'd love to hear your thoughts about what you saw happen and any transitions that you saw or any changes you saw within the last two and a half years or so. Yeah. So, I mean, huge transitions that were, I think, things that were already happening slowly in the industry that COVID just basically accelerated those. Yeah. And, you know, it skipped us five years ahead. Totally. The biggest thing is that now the de facto process for, you know, doing deals in a new development is all digital. Whereas sure. primarily before <laughs> it was all paper, faxes, Spreads, yeah. couriers, spreadsheets, etc. Mm-hmm. Now it's it's all DocuSign, digital transaction management, digital tracking, you know, all of the things that the rest of the world has been doing for a long time has right. now become the standard because you couldn't go in person to sign things. You couldn't go into the sales center. You couldn't write a deal. You know, right. you had to do it digitally. And so this is where and these were all tools that we had built that were maybe utilized, I would say, you know, 10 to 15% of our clients were going the digital route. And now I think 99% of new clients that we bring on are all in the entire digitization of the contract process and everything that we do. So that's probably the biggest trend. The second thing I would say that we saw was the opening up of the buyer's market to different geographies. So during COVID right. especially... It wasn't about just your local market because people were moving around a lot more than they had historically because you didn't have to be in the office. So I could move to Austin or I could move to Miami or I could move to Seattle. And so we found the marketing campaigns and the targeting for a lot of these projects expand out just based on the fact that there was a lot more people moving around, right? Mm -hmm. People we've seen, you know, Miami market projects advertising in Toronto, Yeah, right? You have... You know, Texas projects advertising in in California. Yeah, which I feel like as a marketer, I feel like as a marketer, how do you know that that's going to happen? Like, how do you and how do you really, you know, you have to look at so many data points and learn and see what's actually happening because how do you know you're supposed to be marketing to people in Miami when you have a development in Toronto? Like, it's crazy. Well, this is why you need Spark because that's exactly there. You go (laughs) there. You go. (laughs) Well. I mean, and do you think that we're going to see like, have you seen anything shift? Like everything's going digital, but have you seen that shift at all now? Do you think that we've kind of reached like a peak in that kind of movement and now we're starting to see things level out or you're seeing like remote because remote work is now just become a thing that a lot of people are doing. You see that continuing to be part of that process. I don't think the remote work necessarily is the driving factor for that now for the digitization of the contract and the sales process. No, of course. I think that that's just starting the, it's opening the mind of the real estate industry, especially in new development to the possibilities of doing things digitally. And so this is like the first step of that. There's a long list of things that are coming that are going to make this process better. And that's a lot of the things that we're building is to accelerate and make it, you know, more accessible, give information faster, you know, create a lot more transparency, you know, a lot more integrations to other platforms that you're using. I think we're still in the very early stages of this. And I think that, you know, we're going to see a ton of growth as real estate developers get more and more comfortable. Mm -hmm. The big sign that that's the case is, you know, five years ago, most developers didn't have a line item in their budget for software. Right. (laughs) Now it's like, which is crazy. 
Yeah, right. So before it was like you had to really value sell what it was that they were going to move something else out of their budget to put it in there. Right. And now those line items exist. So now we're just starting to expand those budgets into more and more facets of the business and more and more areas. And as we do that, we create more value and they get to see that value tangibly. Right. So I think that's really where, you know, the mentality of this industry is going. You know, it's funny that you say that because I have noticed too in our clients and a lot of the marketing directors and coordinators, they're getting younger and younger. And I feel like they're because they're just, you know, the people who are at the helm of these never really had to deal with the digital component before. And now they're like, okay, I might need to bring in some experts who are, you know, in their early 20s. (laughs) So it's kind of a nice thing too for generationally to see that there's a future for kind of that generation of marketers and to enter this kind of industry as well, which I feel like has traditionally been, you know, older kind of, I won't say anything further than that, but it it feels like it was a very traditional model. And it's nice to see that there's an expansion there in the different generations and learning and exchange of knowledge. So finally, last but not least, if listeners are looking to connect with you or visit Spark, where can they find you and where can they kind of learn more about Spark? Yeah, I mean, easiest thing is just to go to our website, which is spark.re, and re is in real estate. My email is simian at spark.re. It's pretty easy. Pretty much if you Google my name, there's obviously a lot of things that are going to come up. <laughs> but I'm pretty, I'm pretty, easy, pretty easy to find on, on LinkedIn or you know, our company website or whatnot. So that's okay. the best place to get in touch with us for sure. Awesome. Thank you so much, Simeon, for taking the time today and sharing your knowledge. And thanks for joining me on this episode of Sink or Swim. And until next time, keep swimming. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. You've reached the end of another episode of Sink or Swim. Make sure to visit us at rensink.com forward slash podcast to access show notes, key takeaways, and where you can sign up to our newsletter to receive free bonus content. If you found value in the show, Please also remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Thanks for listening.